from KQED. The recent popularity of tattoos is undeniable. A decade ago, about 20% of Americans had a tattoo. And now that number is up to about 30%. While more and more people have them these days, don't get caught thinking there's anything new about them. Tattoos have been around for thousands of years. In fact, the 5,300-year-old mummy Utsi has 61 sprinkled across his body. So yeah, tattooing is old. Which might be why I was super surprised to learn that San Francisco has left its mark on American tattoo history. Today on the show, we'll learn how San Francisco gave rise to the custom tattoo and played a part in making getting inked more mainstream. That story is just ahead on Bay Curious. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'll admit, when our intern, Sebastian Mignobicelli, came to me pitching a story about tattoos, it took some convincing to get me on board. But San Francisco has a significant place in American tattoo history. Okay, I know. I did give it the green light, but under one condition. Right, Sebastian? That I not get a tattoo while on assignment. Right. No tattoos. I do not want your mom after me. (laughs) All right, so we're setting out to learn about what San Francisco has done for American tattooing. Where would you like to begin? How about a tattoo shop? Mary Scott will never forget her first lesson as a tattoo apprentice. She was working at Tattoo City, a shop located in San Francisco's North Beach neighborhood. One day Ed asked me if I wanted to learn how to tattoo. So I said yes. And he said, okay, get a, get a drawing ready. You're going to tattoo yourself on Sunday. And it was Wednesday, so I had... Her mentor was none other than Don Ed Hardy, an absolute legend in the business and one of the most famous tattoo artists in the world. For some reason, it hurts more when you tattoo yourself, I think, because you know you could stop at any moment. She decided to put the tattoo on her leg, in a spot she could reach easily. And Mary chose a tattoo design that was easy to do and instantly recognizable. It was a Sailor Jerry Rose. Figured I would go with the classics. Wasn't going to reinvent the wheel. Now, Sailor Jerry was a prominent tattoo artist who had a shop in Honolulu in the 1960s. His rose design is a really popular tattoo. The design is so common, it's often one of the most ready-made designs you could get done at nearly any tattoo shop, what's considered a flash tattoo. Oh, so like when you walk into the lobby of most tattoo shops and they have framed art all over the place, that's, that's flash? Exactly. You might see an anchor with mom on it, a wooden ship, or a sun setting on a beach. I guess we could just walk around and, and talk about your oh, sure. original stuff. Yeah. It's been 20 years since Mary gave herself that first tattoo, 
and she owns her own shop now, Raven Eye, in San Francisco's Richmond district. This is, uh, these are flash designs. On this SF-themed flash sheet, she has several designs like the iconic Koi Tower, a cable car, and even the Muni logo. But in the back, close to Mary's workstation, she points out to some sketches on the wall that look totally different from the flash designs out front. This is all stuff that I've done since I opened the studio here. These are tattoos she designed for individual clients. Tattoos that are uniquely theirs. This is a custom design, and it says in Latin, uh, it's later than you think. Egyptian antiquity inspires a lot of Mary's work. She's also into Gothic art, German woodcuts, you know, dark stuff. I was always a, a child of darkness, I guess you could say. Custom designs like the ones Mary's known for are common in tattoo shops now. But it wasn't always this way. Her mentor, Ed Hardy, had something to do with that change. I spoke to Dr. Nina Jablonski. She's a professor of anthropology at Pennsylvania State University. She's written extensively on skin and knows a lot about the history of tattoos. Tattoos in the early 20th century in the United States were largely seen on military people, both, you know, infantry people and, and Navy people. But also they had become popular in some circuses where people would be displayed to show their tattoos. Jablonski says that in the 1940s, tattoos were not common in the U.S., If you had them, people knew you were either a sailor or an outsider. And the designs were kind of nostalgic. Often, the names of individuals, names of mothers, daughters, girlfriends, other people who servicemen and women wanted to remember. Mmm, like old-school style tattoos. Yeah, this style is called American Traditional, and it has two main elements. First, the tattoos have a bright color palette. They're yellow, red, green, and black for shading. It was practical. The second element, easily identifiable designs and motifs, like ships, women. Hearts, skulls, anchors, flowers. These basic designs took on a special symbolism for the sailors who chose them. Like, if a sailor had a tattoo of a swallow, it meant they had traveled over 5,000 nautical miles. People want to get these because they want to remember an event, a person, a group, an identity. What also made American traditional tattoos stand out is how someone could walk in, look at the flash that was offered into the shop, and tell their tattoo artist, that's what I want. So how do we get from tattoos being something you'd only see at the circus or in the military to now, when about 30% of Americans have them? That shift started to happen in the decades after World War II. Particularly after 1960, we see a much, much increased spread of tattoo culture where it becomes not necessarily legitimized, but much, much more popular. It took some time, but gradually, tattooing spread beyond people in the military and circus performers. The 1960s and early 70s in the U.S. were a time of of great social change in which especially young people wanted to express themselves in new ways. Tattoos were countercultural, exactly what people wanted during this time. 
And in the Bay Area, which you know is a hub for America's counterculture movement, a guy named Lyle Tuttle credits the women's liberation movement for making tattoos popular among women. Tuttle famously tattooed Janis Joplin, who showed it off on The Tonight Show. There's a great cat in San Francisco that does these, named Lyle Tuttle, who's mm-hmm. got him all over his body. He's just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. He has a big sunset here. And so in the span stars. of 20 or 30 years, tattooing went from something for sailors and circus performers to something anyone can do. But an even bigger change was just around the corner. Yeah, I think, it's, I think of it primarily as an art. Of course, there's a tremendous amount of craft involved in tattooing, the technical, doing the actual tattooing. But I try to take it, treat it as an art form. A young Ed Hardy graduated from the San Francisco Art Institute with a degree in printmaking. One day, he was in the East Bay getting a tattoo when the artist showed him something that would transform his life. He brought a book out and it was Japanese bodysuit tattooing. The book was Irizumi Japanese Tattooing by Ichiro Morita. Inside, he saw that Japanese style tattoos were complex subtly shaded, and beautiful. And they covered a lot of real estate on the body in a way Ed had never seen before. So when Ed saw that, he decided to leave behind the whole art world and become a tattooer. Hardy became infatuated with traditional Japanese tattoos, and he ultimately walked away from a scholarship to Yale so he could study under Japanese tattoo master Kazuo Gori for five months. What's so different about traditional Japanese tattoos? Japan has a long and complicated history with tattooing. At times, it was associated with criminality. At other times, self-expression. Over thousands of years, Japanese tattoo masters developed techniques that allowed them to make very complicated designs. Here's Dr. Jablonski again. That there are multiple sharp needles that are, you know, dipped in some kind of a pigment and then tapped into the skin. Unlike American tattoo techniques that use the electric tattoo machine and are limited to a few needles, the Japanese masters use a bamboo stick with several more needles grouped on one end. These needles are in groups, so you can get lines, you can get dots, you you know, and, and very complex designs can be made. This technique allowed for huge elaborate scenes from Japanese woodblock prints or from mythology, like a dragon or an oni, a demon-like figure, to be tattooed from your shoulders to your upper thighs. What's called a bodysuit. Okay, so a more complicated tattoo done on a much bigger scale. Yeah, American traditional is all about collecting tattoos as you go, whereas a Japanese-style tattoo is about one single idea or a scene to cover a lot of body real estate. Ed Hardy had learned flash tattoos in the States and then Japanese traditional techniques in Japan. When he opened a shop in San Francisco called Realistic Tattoos, he started doing something that's never been done before. This is a drawing that Ed gave me from the tattoo that he designed for me, the tiger that I have on my arm here. I'll show you. Mary Scott, the self-proclaimed child of darkness, learned her craft from Ed Hardy. The tiger tattoo he inked on her shoulder is a good example of what he's become famous for, blending Japanese and American styles of tattooing. Ed really took those two styles and blended them together with his own voice. Mary's tiger uses a limited color palette, 
like American traditional, but it wraps from her shoulders to her bicep, more like a Japanese tattoo. And it has more movement and energy to it. It looks like it's creeping up, ready to attack. If you look at tattooing today, Ed's influence is all over it because that's kind of what people do now. He was a pioneer. Ed Hardy basically spoke to that interest in not only bringing these new design elements, but personalizing them. The idea that your tattoos could reflect who you are and what's meaningful to you struck a chord. People from all over the world traveled to San Francisco to get a custom-designed tattoo from Ed Hardy. He turned their dreams into ink. And these days, you can get a custom-designed tattoo just about anywhere. So that idea really spread. I mean, yeah, I have eight tattoos myself, and six of them are customs. This one on my forearm is a mocha pot. Which, for the non-coffee drinkers among you, is an Italian stovetop pot that you would use to make coffee or espresso. Yeah, and, and I got it because my abuelita introduced coffee to me at an early age when I was growing up in the San Fernando Valley. When I brought the design to my tattoo artist, he'd never seen a mocha pot before. So I brought in more reference photos so he could add more life to a still image of a mocha pot. He added white so it could stand out, and he added some realistic shadows so it just didn't look like a basic design. So the whole thing was a collaboration between me and the artist. A true custom piece, and it turned out really well. Thank you. So it sounds like you made it through this story without getting a new tattoo, so I just want to say, well done, Sebastian. Well, actually... I'm going to do essentially like the border of the color, and then I'm going to come in with a larger needle, and I'm going to pack the ink. Okay, perfect. While learning the history of the tattoo, I decided to get an American traditional style rose on my forearm. Sebastian! (laughs) That was Bay Curious intern Sebastian Migno Bucelli, who has graduated and is now on to big things. Thanks for all your work, Sebastian, and good luck. We'd love to see your custom tattoos. Take a picture and share it with us on Twitter and tell us what it means to you. You can tweet it at me, I'm O. Allen Price, or the show. It's at KQED Bay Curious. Bay Curious is made by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Migno Buccelli, and me, Olivia Allen Price. We're a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. Have a good one. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is... This Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. 
Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.